You didn't go to hell. You went to purgatory, my friend. I forgot all about purgatory. Purgatory. A little detour on our way to paradise. How long do you think we gotta stay there? Now, that's different for everybody. You add up all your mortal sins and multiply that number by 50. Then you add up all your venial sins and multiply that by 25. You add them together, and that's your sentence. I figure I'm gonna have to do about 6,000 years before I get accepted into heaven. And 6,000 years is nothing in eternity times. I can do that standing on my head. It's like a couple of days here. Yeah, that's right. It is like a couple of days. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli. I am Jacob Burrows, and we're here to discuss Season 2, Episode 9. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. From where to eternity? And I checked the Wikipedia, as we are often wont to do, and it was the first episode written by Michael Imperioli. And I thought, where have I heard that name? <laughs> Clicked his little article. Where have I seen that face? Why, it's our own Christopher Moltisanti. He's a real writer. There's so many layers yeah. to this, Jim. It gets pretty meta once you start uh. paying attention to who wrote the episode. Uh, this was also directed by Henry J. Brockteen, uh, which I believe he directs a few more episodes and did win or get nominated for a Director's Guild Award for this episode. Mm. Yes, and I also noted, I mean... Uh, you know, I, I just kept reading, kept on consuming this information. I found out that he wrote a spec script uh, for an episode of The Sopranos in between seasons where he did a drug overdose, Moltisani, and uh, had this sort of limbo-type experience of didn't know if it was heaven or hell, and good old David Chase said, don't worry, you're gonna get shot. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll get that in there one way or another. Yes, yeah. Now, I mean, in this episode in particular, I don't want to say it's like all over the place, but there's a lot going on here because it's like, obviously, we're dealing with this fallout from the 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 attempted hit on Christopher, but then we have stuff going on with uh, Tony and Carmela that's, you know, not really related, but I mean, just kind of life stuff. And then, of course, we got Big Pussy and what he's up to. And, of course, we got to find this Matthew Bevilacqua kid because we need to get our revenge. What is Big Pussy up to, anyway? Oh, yeah, he wants to get back in favor and uh, does so spectacularly towards the end. But this is clearly Polly Walnuts' episode, right? Oh, yes, and how could I forget some of the (laughs) the most entertaining parts? Polly Walnuts dealing with, uh, you know, being potentially being haunted. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it, we, we play this game where I guess what Jim, clip Jim is going to pick, and that's a good clip. Uh, it would have been a bit obvious, but I mean, the, the scene where he throws the chair, <laughs> that has to be like a, a big Sopranos <laughs> memeable moment, right? Oh, yeah, it's quite a memorable moment when um, uh, Polly Walnuts goes to see a psychic or a medium or whatever, and, you know, this guy, how does this guy know these things? He's He sees that maybe... Uh, What's his face? Um, who's the guy from season one? Um, oh, Mikey. Oh, yeah, Mikey's yeah. over there giggling, and then maybe Polly's first hit, and he has to be like, this is fucking black magic shit, fucking queers, and throws a chair against the wall <laughs> in frustration. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit less, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's impactful in its own way, um, but the scene where he actually talks about sins and what what's going to become of you, uh, that is that is uh, actually impactful in the like that is physically impactful because he does throw a chair at someone and it impacts. Um, but this is a good scene as well. I would assume that is some real Catholic stuff, some Catholic wizardry with numbers. I can only I, that's probably real, right? In some I don't, way, I really don't think so. But maybe yeah. it is. The reason why I like that scene is how specific he is with the you add up uh the menial sins and you add up your mortal sins and then you like multiply add them together and all this stuff but i uh it's weird because i feel like paulie's coming up with that on the spot Mm. not just trying to convince christopher obviously but he's trying to convince himself because he's just waiting to get to those pearly gates even though he's clearly not a good person like no matter what 
Uh, well, I guess not no matter what. There are, I mean, obviously elements of Christianity that just at the end of your life, as long as you accept Christ, you go to heaven. But clearly someone like Pauly Walnuts, or actually anyone on this show, uh, probably shouldn't go to heaven if you believe that. You're talking about this show cut to black, I assume? <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Uh, though, I mean, by Catholic standards, and again, uh, I have no idea, but by those standards, I don't think anyone gets to heaven, right? I mean, you go to limbo for an odd 6,000 years, maybe, or purgatory, I should say. Well, it's weird. I mean, I grew up Catholic, but from my understanding of Catholic, it more came down to going to confession and confessing your sins, and then you make mm. penance, and then you can go to heaven. I know there are different elements of Christianity that's more just about accepting Jesus even at the as long as you do so and accept him in your heart uh, even at the end of a terrible life you get to go to heaven but yeah there must be mm. some sort of formula for purgatory like the way Polly lays out in this episode well I mean uh, I'm you know Swedish church is all uh, you know they're all about uh, eating buns and drinking tea uh, there's there's not a lot of blaming anyone for stuff uh, it's all pretty chilled out um so n not as dramatic of a scene um but hey jim surely if you just donate enough to the church that should do it there's got to be some way for us to get out of this hellhole. well i mean speaking of making penance I, I i bet you there's some people out there that notice that we're maybe a week behind here so mm. i don't know maybe you need to make some penance jacob burrows yeah, maybe. What do you? What would you have me do? Well, I'm just saying, just so everyone's clear, it was Jacob's fault. <laughs> yeah, uh, this time. <laughs> yeah, this time. Well, no, because the other time, no one knew. No, no one was none the wiser when I was true, away. True. Uh, well, I'm trying to fi figure out about this Catholic stuff uh, because I am, in fact, moving to Ireland, uh, to Dublin, a predominantly Catholic country. So you know, I need to be prepared. I need to know which sins to multiply by what, and so forth. Uh, so. I had to do some calculations that week. And I mean, maybe we'll be catching up this week as well uh, in case. I know there's at least one person, because this is the only main reason why I felt bad, because I know there's at least one person that's watching it week to week like us. So I feel like we're like fucking them. Mm. Um, that's true. But either way, you know, we're, we're back. We're here. We're from where to eternity. And we're talking where we start. We start with the hospital. We got what's the song that's playing? Because this song kind of comes up throughout the episode. Uh, Otis Redding, My Lover's Prayer, uh, yeah. which is playing over kind of a montage as we're seeing, you know, the family at the hospital. Christopher's in the ICU. Uh, Chris's mom shows up. And I've never, ever seen this woman <laughs> before. Uh, so she's new. Uh, yes. And I didn't know he had any parents left. Uh I, I assume it's been mentioned, but this actress has never been on the show anyway. Yeah, and I do, remembering other episodes with Chris's mom, this is a different actress. I, I don't know if this is the only time we see this actress or if we see her again, but it's played by someone else later on. Sopranos is very uh, loose with that. They don't mind doing that for characters yeah. like this anyways. Uh, but yeah, she comes up and she's like, what, telling Silvio, you better make this fucker pay. I want him to feel pain. You know, I want, I, yeah. I want revenge. Yep. Uh, I think Aid makes some sort of comment about vodka or something because she's probably all uh, she's a booze hound. Uh, she's all boozed up, and the police are trying to get some answers from uh, Tony and Polly and Pussy, trying to you know, hey, don't you want to help your friend? We want to find this guy, but hey, you're dealing with uh, the the DeMeo crime family. They're gonna handle this in house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you never saw them hanging out together? And she just stares at him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Big Pussy's there like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything. Uh, but I got got someone else to report to later. It's not Tony, this bastard. One of the uh, uh, the, the best moments, uh, because this character, this character is, I think, hated in a lot of Sopranos fan circles. But mm. I feel like this character frequently steals the scenes that they're in. AJ Soprano on his mobile game, as <laughs> they say something like, hey, you know, he's going to make it through. And then he's like, yeah, okay, because he's <laughs> very concerned with his game. I feel like these scenes really, to me, they're, they play like gangbusters. I love it every time. <laughs> yes. And uh, then, you know, uh, there's a bit of a question of, uh, I mean, they're, they're already kind of a bit suspicious uh, towards Richie who shows up, and uh, they're kind of like, oh, he's showing his face around here, reminiscent of when Junior was showing up after uh, after Tony himself got shot, or yeah. uh, attemptedly shot. Um, but he's kind of there, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, we're really shaking and hustling to find find this guy. We're all on the same page right here. 
Yeah, yeah. But Polly really, uh, Polly doesn't like Richie. Um, I guess this also stems from the whole thing going on with the ramp when he's trying to put pressure on him for Beansy's ramp. So, and uh, throw that in with some possible suspicion with Richie. But Richie does have some in, uh, information, I guess, that might lead to finding this uh, Bevilacqua kid. Uh, and then I think we go to um, Carmela is getting some information about another guy whose Guma is now pregnant, and that's setting up some red flags for uh, you know potential drama in the Sopranos family, uh, given what Tony and his Gumas. Yes, whose wife is that? Uh, they that say Ralph something or other, but I, I don't think it's a character we've we've met. Yeah. Okay. There's definitely yeah, a Ralphie but- we meet later on. I'm. I know this is potential. This is potential spoilers. But I don't because mm. I. I just wanted to double check when I heard the name Ralph. But I don't even think it's the character we'll meet later on. It's just some rando. Right. I just meant the wife of that Carmilla is talking oh, to. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Is she talking to? Um, is she talking to Silvio's wife? Maybe they yeah, change the true. actresses all the time. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but sure. probably because it's a you know it's a, it's a big meeting. Everyone's there with their family. They're showing their support. They're pinning the pope popes on them and everything. Yeah. Uh, so so they're really getting into it. But Tony doesn't say like we got to go out. We got to comb the streets. He says someone's gonna bring this to us because we're the shit and <laughs> uh, this guy doesn't have any friends. So uh, someone's gonna turn on him soon. Yes. And I mean he's pretty much right. Yes. And then. Um... Carmilla does confront Tony in the bedroom and as they're, you know, Tony's still kind of dealing with all the stuff with Christopher. She brings up that she wants Tony to have a vasectomy because they don't want this out of wedlock bastard child drama to enter their life. Like it's uh, I mean, Carmilla's already, I guess, in a way thrown up her uh, like I give up. I'm not going to try to make you not fuck these other women, but at the very least, I don't want to have to deal with a, a child that you're going to have. Yeah, and it's Ralphie Rataldo. I just uh, found it, which you. is not a character we see again, I think, okay. uh, as far as me Googling it, which I try never to well, Google that's the name say, of any character. Yeah, don't Google Sopranos and Ralphie, because that, <laughs> like I said, that is a character we'll meet soon, so you don't need yep. to... Uh, careful, careful out there. Yep. I will, I will. Um, so, uh, yes, t- t- Tony sort of... Um, uh, with, you know, he, he's justified in saying, uh, Christopher's in the hospital right now and you want to talk about this? Sort of like you were saying earlier, like, is this really related to the plot of this episode, <laughs> Carmilla? Uh, where are we going with this one? Um, but, you know, it's The Sopranos and they always do a good job of tying it in. And if nothing else, I enjoy that we can start the scene with Melfi, with him talking about the vasectomy, and then Melfi has to bring up so your yeah. nephew got shot? Yeah, so I saw a gangland shooting on the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, is there anything between these? I mean, uh, Christopher actually, you know, blacks out. Yes, um, we do get a code blue in the ICU, and, you know, Adriana, of course, witnesses as they're, like, doing the ER thing, trying to uh, jumpstart Christopher's body, Um and uh, they have to bring him into surgery, I believe. And then Carmela goes and says a prayer for him yeah. uh, while that's going on. And then we get word that he was clinically dead for a minute. And he, and he mm. specifically asked to see Tony and Polly. Mm. Yes. And uh, he, he's going give to him, give him some ramblings, which I didn't know uh, when I first watched this. I didn't even get half of what he was saying. Um, I mean, he says he's been to hell and it's an Irish pub or something. Yeah. And I, honestly, at some point when he says some part of it, they, they're kind of like smiling and laughing. I thought, oh, he did a joke. But then like, no, he's so serious. He's dead serious. Yes. 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 And yeah, and he's talking specifically about Brendan Fallone, who we know uh, is his friend from season one that was killed by Mikey and also Mikey. Now they're friends. They're hanging out in hell together. <laughs> In this Irish pub, and they want yeah. to tell Polly three o'clock, um, yeah. which is going to mean something. And and I like how, I like how this plays out because Tony doesn't even think about it ever again. Like <laughs> Tony's just like, all right, whatever. Like okay, uh, but it does set Polly down quite a path uh, as you know. It, 
it's it's weird because it makes complete sense, even though at this point in the show, I mean, we know Polly a bit, you know, it, it kind of ties together in a weird way with his Starbucks thing from season one. Uh, we know he can get really hung up on something and it like yeah. really permeates all his thoughts and his life. And... I forgot about the Starbucks <laughs> thing. Did he actually steal like a coffee press or something when yeah. he left the Starbucks in that scene? Yeah, because we get that long shot of him just staring at all the coffee stuff really mad. And then he just like yeah. looks around and grabs one and steals it. <laughs> uh, Polly Walnuts is great. Um, and uh, th- the line I was thinking of is when he's he's talking about how hell is an Irish pub where it's St. Patrick's Day every day. <laughs> yeah, and great. I thought that was him doing a joke. But no, it's he's extremely serious about this is he half irish or did i mess did i is that someone else on this show or in real life um maybe you're thinking of goodfellas yes that's exactly right (laughs) yeah in goodfellas uh henry and jimmy were both half irish yeah you can never become a made man then so uh you can be you can be as long as you're full italian and you do all the drugs in the world you can get there eventually (laughs) yeah Uh, but you can't be half irish uh, I mean, real quick on Goodfellas, because there's that, that great line when it's Billy Batts' party, and he's like, let me buy my Irish friends a drink. And then Jimmy goes, hey, there's only one Irishman over here. That's because they're both half Irish. That means there's only one Irishman mm. and uh, two Italians. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, only one one well, Irishman over here to be. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I'll never be a made man after this, I guess. Yeah, no way. Um, yeah. Well, and but, I, what I like about this is that I mean, it is played as kind of a goof. Like, yes, Christopher is being serious, but obviously it's played up as a goof. But then they, they, you know, as we see later in the episode, they kind of play with that line where they start to, you know, give maybe some validity to the spiritual side when we see this medium and maybe he knows stuff that you shouldn't know. So it's yeah. like a weird little game they play with this uh, storyline. It is kind of more for goofs, but uh, I, I like how they play it. Yeah, I mean, it's like most of these things, it's not, like, especially on The Sopranos, it's not about, oh, was there really a ghost? It's about these characters and their thoughts about death a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they think about it a lot. It's their business. Um, but And, you know, they can become hung up on things and obsessed with things regarding it. And it's, it's a, an interesting way of exploring it. And I feel like... Uh, Another show, you'd go even further down the hole, but it is about the characters. Uh, but we'll get more into Polly in a second. We do get the scene with Melfi and Tony, yes, which is um, one of my favorites. Uh, certainly, I mean, definitely in this episode. I'm in the alternate universe where I do the production side of thing. Uh, of this mm-hmm. show, I would be, have been tempted to take this scene, uh, even though we've had like a billion of these therapy scenes and Paulie, his stuff is more unique. But this scene is so good. Um, right? I no, mean, absolutely. we can summarize it, but it's just great. No, I agree. I agree. And and uh, I like the point you made that they can start it out with Tony just kind of going over the vasectomy and it's kind of... Even though it's not run of the mill, I guess it's just a more run of the mill complaint, like uh, bitching in a way by Tony of just kind of standard uh, domestic stuff. But then it gets into a discussion of, you know, yeah, life and death, heaven and hell, who deserves what. Uh, And yeah, it's a great scene. Yes. And I mean, Tony has some some. I mean, pretty good uh, points talking about, like, the way he sees himself and his business and everything. I mean, first it sounds ridiculous when he says, we're soldiers or whatever. But he brings up how, like, everyone involved knows the rules and they know what the stakes are. And you've got to do certain things. Um, and then when they go back to talking about, uh, like, when we came- first came to this country um, and how we were used and how are we any worse than the big people. And... Um, Muffy kind of goes in on him hard, uh, where I I actually watched this scene twice before I watched the rest of the episode, and I thought, like, wow, Melfi did something really wrong here. She did this really bad. Like, regardless of whether you're thinking of her as the therapist or just, I don't know, uh, being a nice person, like, it, it, it doesn't advance the therapy. It doesn't advance anything. It's like she decided to take a stand. It felt like, to me, which is exactly what she brings up later in the episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, yeah, because whether you look at 
Melfi as the, you know, the literal therapist or as I guess in the show's terms, more of a, like a voice of morality to our anti-hero. Uh, and obviously it's like a little bit more defined in this scene. Uh, and plus it's great to hear because what Tony's saying does make sense, but it's also the, the typical, you know, uh, what, what I, what I like to think a lot about is how everyone's a hero. Everyone's and, and you know, it's not a new idea, but everyone's a hero in their own story. And it is the thing that a villain would say to themselves to yeah. justify and become the hero. Because even if that if that villain is getting some sort of semblance or self-awareness of what they're actually doing, this is the type of things you tell yourself like, well, hey, I'm not these fat cats on Wall Street, you know, yeah. putting millions uh, out of work and, and making kids go hungry and stuff like that. And yeah, there's some truth to that. But that doesn't mean, and especially like it ties in really well with where this episode ends with Tony and Pussy. And given, I guess this is, it is a soldier's revenge that happens, but it is just a kid who's in a chair that they, you know, oh, you want to, that diet piece of shit. That's the last fucking drink you'll ever have. Like it's (laughs) such a, uh, you know, someone that's talking about how like, you know, me or Christopher don't deserve to go to hell but we put 21 bullets into a kid's chest uh, after we, you know, lulled them into a sense of security with a soda. Yes, very true. Though it is the kid that shot very true. for really no real reason at Agreed. all. Agreed. He, he had less of a reason. And that does kind of, and that, that also does play into his soldier thing. That does make it more like a, uh, it is a soldier getting revenge on a soldier, I guess. Yeah. And what I also, I mean, it, obviously, Melfi's not wrong. Like, if you look at it broadly, like, yeah, you shouldn't go around being a mobster and killing people. But what Tony says is, oh, you're, you're now is the time for you. You decided that now you want to go hard on me for this. Okay, when my nephew is about to die and all this, uh, after you've already told me, like, oh, it's not my fault because of my mother and whatever. And now it's like, fuck you. I need to feel better about myself. And he doesn't storm out. So even that. Yeah, there was I was I was actually waiting for. I was like, hell yeah, add another one to the counter. But nope, he doesn't he doesn't storm out. We're we're seeing some growth. Yeah. Um and speaking of seeing some growth, let's go back to Polly Walnuts. He wakes up with Carla from Scrubs. Yeah, I was I was I, I knew I, I mean I I wasn't sure how into Scrubs you were if you were gonna notice it, but what a great cameo, clearly. Uh <laughs> Yes. <laughs> from Carla from Scrubs. And yeah, I wake up and, uh, you know, he's what, staring at the clock, waiting for three o'clock, thinks he hears something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget if it's this scene or the later one where then she inadvertently plays into his uh, paranoia by being like, oh my God, three o'clock. And she has some nonsense. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Or is it? Maybe it is now. Yeah, she, she she starts talking about like the someone's wedding. And yeah, and it's I think it was like like her friend's wedding, but then Mikey and I believe they're talking about she's talking about Mikey Palmisi here again. It'd be weird if she's talking with someone else, but Mikey ends up bumping them from that reception area because they yeah. needed the rainbow room or whatever it was at three o'clock. And it really it's funny because it's. It's such like people that are into numerology or whatever it's called. It really shows yeah. that you have to search for nonsense to try to link to your garbage. Uh, yeah. And it's just a, such a funny little addition. But he, he ends with, or she ends with, and it was three o'clock. <laughs> and Paulie's just there like, huh? What? He's not like, oh, that's some bullshit. Because he's, he's already tense about this. He's like, yeah. huh? What? Three o'clock? Uh, so, of course, he has to go and see uh see christopher and try to convince him uh, and he wakes him up fine. right like he kind of does the thing like he just like uh you know when you're like annoyed even though like clearly he needs rest and he's been through this thing but he's annoyed that he's asleep so he has to wake him up because he needs to talk to him about uh purgatory he asks of what there are horns on their heads or if it was hot there yeah. and he's like uh, hell is hot no one will debate that <laughs> <laughs> yes uh it's the first thing you'd notice and um I mean, that's the scene we had from the beginning. Base. No, no, that's later. Mm, they do a lot of talking about hell. No, yeah, no, I think that's it plays into this scene because it starts okay. out. He's just asking him more oh, questions yeah. and he's trying to he's just he's 
he's it's that thing you love to do in real life and of course it's a great thing to do in stories where one character is trying to convince another character because they're trying to convince themselves and yeah he's just making small arguments against hell um he's you know asking if there are horns in their heads and then he yeah breaks down that it's purgatory and then it it's funny because it is maybe getting to christopher a little bit he's like i forgot about purgatory Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's like 6,000 years. I could do that's easy. It's like a couple of days. Um, yeah, do that standing on yeah. your head. And then, yeah, I think from there, now we go to Melfi with her therapist. Yeah, um, and she's bawling. Yes. Uh, she's crying her eyes out here, and we get to see even more of... I mean, she's saying what I was thinking earlier, that, like, why did I do this? And it turns out she's taking some medication, and... Uh, yeah, we yeah. find out that she's on Ativan, mm-hmm. um, which was, it looks like, I'm looking up real quick. It's like lorazepam, or it's a brand of lorazepam. Um, it's a sedative, can treat seizures, uh, also mm. be used before surgery. Um, why is she taking it? <laughs> I guess it's kind of like a- a- a Xanax as well, because some people are comparing it to Xanax. So yeah, it just deals with anxiety, but also looks like it's for seizures, and it can cause paranoia. Or suicidal ideation, impair memory, judgment, and coordination. So, well, what can't these <laughs> days? Yeah. Um, but she's been drinking alone as well. As we know, there are no such side effects to alcohol. So at mm-hmm. least she's doing the responsible thing by drinking alone. And uh, her therapist kind of asks, why are you working with him uh, and all this? Because she expresses that she's afraid because, oh, no, now I did this. But she's she's not. I, 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 what do you think of Melfi in this episode in general? Well, it's uh, I mean, as we've been talking about with season two, season two's really been about breaking down the kind of uh like a uh, veneer image we the audience had of Melfi cuz even when we saw Melfi in her personal life in season 1 it was mostly just um like quirky stuff like her arguing with her family about seeing this patient um and even knowing that she went to a family therapy it never felt like it was uh like this kind of broken and i mean i guess mm-hmm. obviously a lot of it has to do with uh, treating Tony, uh, and it's obviously amplified things. You had to go on the lamb and whatnot and deal with all of that. But it is this weird, like, just breaking her image, at least for us, the audience, because now it's like she's not this put-together person, and, and nobody is, obviously. Uh, yeah. But it is weird how erratic they have to show her now. But I guess in the context of what she's dealing with, it does make sense. Yeah, she's had uh, relatively few moments of stability and moments of actually being able to help Tony and just chill out. I mean, we all have periods of that in our life mm-hmm. when we can't very much uh, chill out and so on. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting to me and it's interesting um, uh, to consider, uh, as someone who doesn't know, where they are going to take her character next because she was the most stable person now uh, even with Carmilla and her vasectomies and AJ and his constant search for the fly, uh, he, she feels like uh, one of the more unstable characters on the show. And uh, the show is full of murderers who are in our psychopaths. And yeah. Polly Walnuts has thrown chairs all over the place. So uh, I'll be interested to see um, where all that goes. I, and it does feel like it's one of those... Um kind of like great things that come from from writing like especially serial storytelling like a tv show obviously uh because i don't think they asked a lot of these questions in the beginning when they you know when david chase came up with the idea like okay what if we did a tv show about a mob boss that went to see a therapist but then you know i like that it's not like they treaded water so much because we're already in season two and they're really trying to explore okay well what kind of therapist would stay with this guy because obviously the therapist has to stay because that's part of the show, but let's delve into and see what kind of person would do that. And, and some of the reasons why, I mean, they explored a bit of it in the beginning of the season where it's kind of about this, uh, personal, um, and like this thing to, to, you don't want to let another human being, uh, if you can help another human being, then you should, no matter what, type of person they are but then also it's this weird flirting with danger that's kind of exciting 
and yeah. part of it as well. So I don't know. And and they're just exploring it deeper, which, uh, you know, is a great part of storytelling. And uh, I mean, I say she's unstable, but when when I really when you think about it, if I hung out with to- like I I get the vicarious thrill by watching the show, but if I hung out with Tony <laughs> Sopranos, uh, I'd probably be pretty nervous and uh, going and crying a lot and taking all these pills uh, as well, just to keep it together. But he's so cool and he's so likable, so you got to hang out with him. Of course. Speaking Plus- of cool and likable, next scenes with Pussy. Um, who goes and talks in a car to his contact and. Uh, he says to, you know, just win him back because Pussy tells him that, you know, we're, we're fucked right now. Uh, Tony doesn't trust me anymore. We got to do something. Well, it, but the great the great detail of why Tony doesn't trust him and it ties in a bit with kind of how Paulie's acting because he tells the story of how they all ordered sandwiches and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I ordered. What did he order? The eggplant or there was an extra eggplant or something. But I remember yeah, that Tony ordered it. But then everyone was acting like. He did, but then he let me have it anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. uh, and I mean, it, it clearly, anyone in this situation, if you are, you know, tied into this mafia lifestyle, but then you're also secretly a rat, I could imagine every little thing that happens, you would constantly be like, oh my God, they know. They know. Holy shit. I'm going to be Jimmy Altieri in a hotel room as Silvio busts out of a uh, door behind me and. Christopher grabs my gun before I can, and they put some bullets in my head. Well, you know what we got to do at some point is get your friend, FBI's Tom Simon, on the show to <laughs> yeah. tell us about what is it like being big pussy, uh, because he could really give us some insight. And uh, I wonder, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it, as you know what, as the agent says, keep in mind, you're the one who's different. Like, the situation yes. isn't that different. You're going to, like, look at every tiny little thing. You know what? That's a legit great idea. We do know an FBI agent that we probably should have on our show where we could talk a little about this. I know he at least, whether he dealt with, uh, like, this handler deals with pussy, whether he dealt with someone undercover in the past, I know for sure that in his past he went undercover, so we'd have a little bit insight uh, in that respect. Yeah, no big. You're not going to get that on your other uh, (laughs) fucking Count to Black Sopranos shows, right? Come on. No way. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Uh, tell us to get Tom Simon on the show. We know him. I mean, yeah. Jim does. Whatever. He wouldn't add me on Facebook. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> and then, yeah, then basically the advice is make him love you. Like, uh, act like you would with a, a girl you're trying to fuck. Uh, be charming and make him, like, remind him why, why he loves you, basically. Yeah, like, veiled. Uh, the veiled suggestion is shoot a guy 21 times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like you would if you were trying to impress a girl. Uh, then so, I believe Carmilla goes to see Chris and tells him about how the Lord yeah. saved him because she said a prayer for him and the Lord did answer her prayers. And I love the reaction here because, well, Christopher, well, first, uh, Carmilla says, oh, well, Tony told me that you went and saw Jesus. You saw the baby Jesus. And he said that it wasn't your time yet. And then he's like, no, <laughs> that's not yeah. what happened. I was in hell. And, or and, but then I like he even goes or maybe it was purgatory I'm not sure but I don't know and then she starts telling him about the prayer but I like that Christopher gets scared because he like starts hitting his um, morphine uh, button or whatever as she's talking about yeah. you know taking the straight and narrow and you know using this gift of life for a good now that he's been saved. Yeah, though it is Christopher, scared or no, he's hitting that button. You know, oh yeah, click 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 every day, That's all, true. all day every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, this scene, you know, Carmilla wants to say it's not too late for you. Christopher is not super convinced. I mean, he just dozes off at the end of this scene, kind of like <laughs> me watching it. Well, uh, what's that line that Paulie says? I think it's Paul. Yeah, Paulie earlier in the episode goes. Don't they know this kid likes his chemistry set too much or whatever? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's like, he's in pain. Yes. Like, Which I think would affect, like, his tolerance level. It's gotta, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so. I believe Tony and Carm have another... Oh, this, yeah, they have their argument at the house. And one of the main notes I made was he has the line that's like, I got balls, Carmilla, no matter what, like, you want to happen or whatever. He has, like, a line about, how uh, you know, I got these balls. I'm not getting rid of them. But then it all, in the background, AJ, much like Agent Grasso in season one, drops a plate all over the floor, makes a big mess. 
And then Tony fucking really goes there. Like, what a terrible thing for your dad to say where he he has to use it in this argument of, like, I'm supposed to get a vasectomy and this is my male heir. And (laughs) even though AJ is such a pathetic uh, loser... You don't yeah. want him to. You don't want him to deal with that. You don't want him to have him have his dad yell that to him. Yeah, no, nah, that's it's it's rough. And even with AJ being the way he is, just a blank, bland face, no expression at any time. It's like you got to feel for him here. Uh, <laughs> when Tony's going over, saying, "Oh, you just had dinner an hour ago. Oh, what the fuck right. are you doing to yep. yourself?" And it's like you're Tony Sopranos. Um, have you, do you, you do have a mirror and the, your whole family is based on we eat. Remember with the episode when you came home, you didn't know what to do. You just ate all the pasta. That's not good unless you're going on a long run, Tony. And um, especially, so it is pretty heartbreaking actually. Yeah, and especially later on when he goes for his apology where he brings food. But, uh, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's pretty apparent even this early that, what we see of AJ, that is that is young Tony, or that was yeah. young Tony, I should say. And I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you fill in the the blanks to get to what he is now. But you know, even the little bit we saw him as a little kid, who's sad that his his dad won't take him to the the carnival like his sister, like that was that's Tony, his AJ. It's the same shit. Yes, and also it's very patriarchal because uh, you got Meadow. She could be a mob queen. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna, Hey, that could be season five for all I know. Uh, you know, it, 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 so so you know you're not fucked. Uh, just change the rules. Get a queen. The, even the royal houses, the most ancient of uh, uh, institutions, have changed it. Most of them, and you can have female heirs. Uh, even in Italy, uh, yes. Why can't you do it here in God's country of America? Exactly. You know, it's uh, it's the year two thousand. <laughs> yes, exactly. Come on, <laughs> we're in the new century, millennia. Polly Walnuts actually does wake up uh, 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 Carla from Scrubs' uh, children uh, this time because he's in his sleep. I think just yelling. Yeah, he has a nightmare and he pops up. He's yelling about three o'clock. Excuse me, three o'clock. I like the sweet moment that Polly has, like with the with the kids. It's yeah. like a d- different side we see of him, um, and then he's he, like he's gonna put them back to bed, and he's gonna go home because he doesn't want to mess with their family no more. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a nice little side of Polly Walnuts that th- we don't always get a chance to see. Yes, and that scene does end with the wind chimes um, uh, that he uh, noticed when he when it was three a.m. last time, and he was waking up, and she was like, "Those are just my wind chimes." We <laughs> get those outside the window as well. And then, yeah, um, this is where he gets his, he gets the recommendation to talk to the professional, talk to the 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 psychic or what have you here. Yeah, making me feel like uh, her character on Scrubs is the reasonable one, and here, like the advice: Hey, go see a psychic, and it'll work out. <laughs> uh, it, it's never. It's never worked. It's never been a good idea. Uh, whether, uh, you know, their sorcery actually works in the fiction of the universe or not. Um, so, but I agree. It's nice to see a soft moment of him because otherwise it's just like some neurotic guy freaking out and, you know, going around, killing people. But he gets to have this moment probably because he doesn't have uh, children of his own. Or maybe he does. He doesn't have a wife, does he? No, I don't think so. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking, because Tony Sopranos wouldn't have a guma with children and go like, come on, let's go to bed, because he gets that shit at home. But Polly, it feels like his life is, you know, a bit empty, especially looking at, uh, you know, him in Italy trying to make a connection to, you know, the people there, the girl the, he was paying to have sex with him and also talk about <laughs> oh, yeah, and some village. <laughs> yeah, and he's that. like really trying to make a connection. Yeah. But then again, I mean, we didn't see uh, Christopher's mother until this episode. Who knows if he actually does have a whole family that he just doesn't care about. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then what? Big Pussy gets the information about uh, Bevilacqua here mm-hmm. um, from, I guess it was just some some guy, right? It was just some like dude outside of a club or something like that. I'm trying to see because I have my notes here, but uh, it's it's been a little bit longer since I watched this episode. Usually, when we discuss them, 
Yes. Uh, yeah. And the guy doesn't want to give it to Pussy. He kind of wants, like, he wants to get recognized for bringing this information in, just like Tony said earlier. Ah, yeah. But he reluctantly hands it over. Yeah, from Quickie G. I looked it up real quick. Yeah, he goes to talk to Quickie G and get some information. But that's just kind of... Um, that's just a little uh, scene to break up as then we catch back up with Polly going to see the psychic. Um, yeah. And it's, I like that it does, I, it gives validity. Like, obviously, the psychic's real because he knows things that no one would know. Uh, he knows about what? The poison ivy from when he shot Mikey. And he knows mm-hmm. something about the very first hit he did. And he's looking around like Polly's being followed by a bunch of ghosts. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, this is where he freaks out and throws a chair because how else are you going to deal with that? Yes. Yes. And they do a good job of turning the scene because at first it is a silly scene. Polly's even kind of cracking wise. Uh Uh, And uh, then it turns and we we get that to the point where chairs are being thrown, you know, which is uh, an identifying mark of a good scene. It starts one way, ends another. Um, in a very extreme way, and I would think that, this, uh, would this be a storm out? Oh shit! No, but I think we, only, <laughs> we I think we just kind of laid it down to like the Soprano family, I believe, for storm outs. Yes, I mean it's got a. Uh, I think we said maybe that it. <laughs> I don't remember, <laughs> but that it's got to be in therapy or it's got to be Tony. Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that's about it. And, uh, and because it, you know Meadow stormed off a few times, I don't think we count. Yeah, those. no, we can't count those. Uh, and I mean, this ties in with the next scene because then we see Polly talking to Tony about it and Tony is, you know, Tony doesn't want to talk about this. Uh, like we said, he's already, he heard the story and didn't care about it for a second. And, uh, he, you know, Tony starts trying to like rationalize it. Like, okay, well, you know, maybe he knew who you were, but Polly's like, no, he, he said he was Ted Hughes. Like, uh, I didn't even give my name, obviously. What do you think I am? Like, uh, uh, fucking... Uh, like a, a rookie? You think he's a rookie or some shit? I looked it up mm-hmm. real quick. Ted Hughes is an English poet and children's writer. I wonder if that's a reference. Probably not. But uh, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so he knew things that he couldn't have known, and he wasn't. It's not like he went in as Polly Walnuts. Now I don't know. I don't remember specifically what kind of advice Tony gives him here uh, to head him off. But it kind of just well, gives more validity he- to the psychic. Yeah, I mean, he says, did you ask fucking that fucking Ghostbuster where Matt Belaqua is? Oh, yeah. That's what Tony's interested in. I don't think (laughs) he even cares that much. He's like, oh, we're breaking our ass trying to find him. And you're up there fucking around with Ghostbusters and all that. And Paulie's just like, he only deals with the dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes. Yeah, he's pretty sad when he says it, too. (laughs) Yeah. And then then we have Tony showing up with his pizza apology for uh aj and um oh, i just wanted to mention i liked tony's thing of hey do you eat steak in india you'd go to hell for that oh yeah. um because he also is talking about the same sort of stuff with melfi and like he said we didn't mention but in the earlier scene that i i'm not going to hell you know that's how they got into that discussion um it was like no you know the pull pots of the world they're the ones going to hell the ones who really deserve it those sick fucks yeah um but Paulie's kind of like, I'm not in India, so I don't think it really uh, helps. And Tony does say, like, this doesn't mean anything. None of this fucking shit mean it means anything. And it's sort of uh, giving more of a nihilist approach, uh, maybe compared to what we've seen from him before. I've always seen him a bit more like he hasn't been spiritually worried. He's been worried about it, everything being meaningless, it feels like. Yes, yeah. Um, so then we get the pizza apology. Yeah, the pizza apology. And yeah, I mean, I guess in this scene, he does also say, I see myself in you when he's talking yeah. to AJ. And I mean, it is a sweet scene. It's still just uh, rough goings to how we got there because, yeah, he's yelling at his kid and saying he's a shitty heir. Like, he's basically like, uh, you know, damaged goods. Uh, but AJ is fine with uh, mowing down on a piece of pizza as Tony gets an important call from Big Pussy. Uh, and they they got a they got a line on this Bevilacqua kid. Yeah, I mean, uh, eventually he gets there anywhere. And I and anyway, and Tony, um, I think even though it's true, it's also the best apology he could give. Uh, saying like, I I get mad at myself, and you're so much like me that I get mad at you because what he said before was 
this fucking piece of shit is nothing like me. And we know AJ, despite it all, idolizes his father, or at least that's my read on it. He doesn't show much emotion, but, you know, ever since we had that scene of him leaning over the tombstone, looking at his dad, having his image in his mind shift on who his father actually is, it's felt like it certainly hasn't made him respect him any less. And uh, he is a very strong patriarchal figure. Um, and when he's sitting here actually opening up, I can't imagine that happens very often. Because it's true what he's saying, that he keeps his feelings inside, just like, and you do the same, kid. Which is true, you know, his face yeah. is empty, like a ghost. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so he says, you know, we just react without thinking. I gotta be more careful, and there's no apology. Let's have some pizza. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, uh, like personally, I could definitely relate to that. Like, I, I, I you know, maybe too many times when we've discussed scenes of Tony where I'm like, oh, man, I do this same thing. Uh, when he's just like when uh, he was yelling about Janice being at the uh, party or whatever and, and selling the car. And then Carmela's like, just go talk to your friends. And he's like, that fucking bitch. And she's like, Tony, go have a beer. Uh, but I get that. I get where sometimes you just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep it inside. You push it down. And then all of a yeah, sudden you walk on it all yeah, day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're ripping a phone off the wall. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Uh, and, and great um, like uh, contrast or parallel or whatever. I mean, basically, I mean, I know Bevelock was not that young, but he's clearly like if he's younger than Christopher, you know, he's he's fairly young. So yeah. like we go from this scene where he's kind of being sweet and uh, caring to his son to he gets a call and now they're going to go hunt this kid and yeah uh like it's it's just kind of an interesting transition i mean it's clearly what it's what the show's built on the whole this family and that family and how how, how they interconnect in weird ways yeah and it's even like oh you don't have to get your hands dirty me and furio have got this and he's like mm, no i want to do it and he's like, cut Furio loose. Three's a crowd. Yeah. Uh, this is personal. <laughs> and, you know, for, for Big Pussy, that's great. Is this Big Pussy's arsenal or, uh, I guess? Or yeah, no, it's I think in the so. Club or, yeah, or it, it, it's kind of, I guess, uh, thinking about where they are when they, yeah, they're like going up these stairs or going in this room to get the weapons. It reminds, maybe it's by the uh, Satriellis because it reminds me when they were beating up that uh, Jewish guy and they're trying yeah. to figure out what to do. I'm gonna try to catch catch a screenshot. Yeah, yeah, they're in Satrellis. Yeah. Um So you know, great play. Hey, they you <laughs> ever heard of wiretaps? Well, we got to keep all the guns here, right here behind this uh, padding. You know, FBI they can't see through padding, uh, so we're the, the metal detectors can't go through uh, insulation. So we're fine. Um, then they uh, basically collect the kid. Sit him down, calm him down. Well, you know, I like it's that. It's going to be fine. It even just cuts to like, they don't bother wasting any time with them kind of going to an area, trying to track him down. Maybe the guy runs. They have to chase him. It's like hilarious that Big Pussy's tired and even Tony's a little tired because they're like big and fat. It just cuts to, they've already got him and they've already been beating him up <laughs> for a while because he's already like mm. beat to shit, bloodied, and they're just dragging him to this... Um, like closed down like refreshment area in either a park or something like that because there's like that's where all the refreshments are and the sodas and whatnot in the background and he's pissing himself saying you know it was all sean's fault it was all sean's idea sean did it i was just kind of going along for the ride you know stuff you would say if someone was gonna murder you in a moment i didn't go back and check is there any truth to that they were both shooting right yeah no they were both shooting and it it Mm. i don't I don't think because remember it doesn't really it, we just see them saying they need to step up or they need to do something and then it just cuts to them rolling up like Sean is the first one to shoot because he's yeah. like yo Christopher and then he pulls the gun out but you know Bevilacqua was there he was in on it yeah and uh, like you said about they could have done a whole chase scene or whatever I feel like this is one of those shows where a lot of other shows you do exactly that. And I guess, I I think it's probably more common nowadays that you um, would do something like this because Sopranos, they did this and a lot of other shows followed. And um, 
we don't need to have like the episode of this episode is not the hunt for this kid and uh, are we going to get revenge or not it's the moral questions and quandaries and what is death anyway which you wouldn't see if this was you know uh, a mystery of where's the kid are we actually going <laughs> to find him or kill him or whatnot it's it's about uh, and in general, that's how the mob stuff is in this show. It's not really like mob adventure. It's like just seeing bits and pieces of this life uh, where we don't even need to understand all of it. It's like, oh, it's the union. It's this. It's that. It's all part of every day for them. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it, it really does add to like making it a mundane action that it's like, OK, yeah, we got the kid now here. We've been beating him up now. It's like, are we going to kill him or not? And of course, we're going to kill him. Uh, and I mean, I guess it is not that it would matter because obviously like for what we know about big pussy being an inside man for the feds, and this is a big moment for him to get back in good with Tony, I guess it's a small detail, but Tony does shoot Matthew first and then pussy like shoots him after, which Mm -hmm. I guess you could argue maybe he's already dead, and then they both just like really just start lighting him up for no good reason. Uh, I guess just a nice insult to injury. Uh, But I don't know. Do you think that's something that could help Big Pussy if this info gets out? I don't think it matters because Big Pussy is lying about everything to the FBI. (laughs) Like, And he went and killed some guy who just saw them in a shop, the Elvis impersonator. So, uh, you know, at this point... uh, he he's not gonna beat. He's gonna say like, "Oh yeah, I took him to the movies. We had some popcorn. We're friends now." Like clearly, the, he doesn't want this to come out, and it it, it could. It, I mean, it's not great. Maybe it could help that you know he didn't shoot first, but then he's murdered a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah. So well, I'm interesting sure. about the the Elvis thing too is, I mean, I forget in that episode did they even specify if Big Pussy then stashed the body or did what they did or did he just leave him dead? Because wouldn't that be a weird oversight for his handler. Hey, wait a minute. That guy that was bludgeoned, I think I think I met him. Yeah. <laughs> I think I met him a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very true. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trip Sizzle in the chat says the kid also revealed that they went to Richie right after the shooting. Uh, I wonder right. if that'll be talked about in an upcoming episode. Seemed to not phase Tony, though, which is true. I mean, he did want to know, like, is Richie in on this, huh? And he tells the truth of like no we just wanted to impress richie though which is i'm surprised that this didn't spin out of control in a farcical manner of like so richie's the guy huh yeah. uh but i'm sure you know we got some episodes left in the season things can go off the rails and then yeah then we i i do i like this next scene because it's still more poly and he's kind of mad at his priest where he's like i should have been protected from all this shit because you know he gives money uh, every week and what he paid for the new uh, he brings up something that he paid for and he's like well wh- when the you know uh when the roof fell in who came through and then the the priest is like ah you should have came to me in the first place which is probably true if you are you know religious why are you not going to your priest first for some counsel here not going to psychics and mediums but Polly is very stubborn and it's just the principle at this point it doesn't matter who he should have came through. The fact that he had to think about all this stuff, he should have been covered by his priest. Well, yeah, he was left unprotected, so <laughs> yeah. he's getting cut off for yeah. good. Um, and he just storms out of there. And uh, that's the last Polly scene in the episode, <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. which makes it hard to tell where he started and where he ended up. Uh, I mean, it's been fun. Uh, I guess he does have a moment as he's walking out and he stops and he looks up at a Jesus statue. And we see this look on his face. Uh, he's like, furious. It's the same furious look he gave to the coffee, uh, <laughs> the coffee pots in the. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can relate to both those uh, feelings towards Jesus and Starbucks. Um, so he just walks out of there, and we're not totally sure where he landed, but I think he's not going to be worried about three o'clock until something important happens at three o'clock. I mean, I guess it's kind of an interesting spot where then he ends. Like he, he, he I guess from what we can read from here is he's just cutting like all spirituality out of his life. Like even, mm. even the religious side that may, may have been more of a positive influence. He's like, Nope, not dealing with any of it. You know, no more heaven. No, like if there's no, I can get rid of hell, but I'll just have to get rid of heaven as well. Fine. There's nothing yeah. anymore. Maybe more yeah. of a Tony approach. 
Yeah, cheerful. <laughs> uh, and I mean, speaking of which, Tony's having a grand old time. <laughs> this, as we've seen with him in the past, doing these murders and these crimes really puts a spring in his step. Because uh, he's off eating steak with, uh, uh, with Big Pussy. You know, they're telling jokes and everything. It's kind of a pretty good joke. And uh, Pussy's laughing. They're they're having the time of their life. Yeah, it is. It you know it all goes back to just that first episode when we see Tony chasing that dick guy down in the car, and he has a big smile on his face. These are the 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 times that really you know really get really come through and uh, and make him happy. So who are we to stand in uh, in front of something that makes someone happy? Absolutely, and he does say kind of like push, and there's a moment, and I've I pussy totally expected him to say. You working with the FBI? <laughs> and I almost expected him to say that, but he says, "Do you believe in God?" And uh, Big Pussy says, "Yeah, I do, Tone, absolutely." Um, and you know, it's very mysterious how God works in Big Pussy's estimation. Yes. Well, you know, one thing we did forget though is we did forget with the Bevilacqua kid, he did get shot up. That is something for the counter, oh. my dude. Fuck. So, real quick, throw it up, make it official. Bang! Gatsada Malanga! <laughs> Gatsada Malanga. That's right. For everyone on the audio podcast, we are now up to 19 deaths on the counter and only 8 walkouts. That's right. If you're new, we're counting when uh, Tony storms out of uh, therapy, sometimes other situations, and also the murders and other deaths on the show. So it's 19-8 right now. And then basically where this episode ends, it is kind of it's it's a strange ending for this episode with all we've seen. Um, well, I mean, I guess it plays in a little bit as far as life and death and uh, heaven and hell. Carmela wants a baby. So I guess that's all part of it. It's, you know, bringing new life into this world after taking a life. You gotta you gotta even the odds, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess it relates to her. I mean, her fear kind of uh wasn't that tony would have a kid with someone else if you look deeper it was probably my children are gonna disappear and like that's how that represented itself of like tony he could go and have a baby somewhere else what if what the fuck our family like it's fine if he's doing stuff with someone else uh, it's not fine it's not great but at least we're the family and we're not even gonna have that anymore um and this is a weird scene because i've never in this show at all seen them act this way with each other like kind and passionate and kissing each other tenderly is really weird it's like i'm aj over here being grossed out by my parents actually you know what that's that's a good point um i mean i think one there was one time where it was a dream <laughs> where I think like Carmela was gonna go down on Tony, but then it ended up being Melfi, or that like it like switched from Carmela to his uh, Guma, then it was Melfi or something like that. Uh, but it was just a dream either way. Yep. And now she's all massaging him and touching on him and saying, "Hey, maybe we should have a baby." Um, because because he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll do it. I'll do the vasectomy." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Much like an episode of Scrubs, as soon as he agrees to do the vasectomy, uh she's changed her mind. At least he didn't go through with it like Dr. Cox. Yes. Uh, everyone stay of... tuned for our Scrubs podcast. <laughs> a lot of Scrubs references. Uh mm. and then yeah, I think he does have a when she says, you know, that uh, she doesn't want to do it anymore and she's being, you know, uh kissing on him and stuff. He he tries to give like a uh, half-assed, you know, I'm not, you know, I love you, uh, no one else or something. And she's just like, no, you know, don't need that. <laughs> just let's have a baby. Let's uh, let's just move on. Let's make let's make a new family. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's the end of the episode. How old is Carmilla? Uh, Good question. Because uh, you know, there's a clock. It's ticking. She's. Uh, well, the actress, anyways. Uh, she's fifty-four now, but this was oh. like twenty years ago. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks not great for her age. Uh, <laughs> which I don't say to be offensive. It's more the way they doll her up in this weird, like, 
mob housewife way. I'm sure if she's if I see her, like a picture of her, the actress, I'll be like, she looks great. But what they do to Carmilla and what all these wives do in a sort of Goodfellas type way, when all the wives are sitting and and filing their talons and putting color anywhere and and making themselves as weirdly brown as possible while being as blonde as possible, uh, that stuff does things to your skin. Um, just saying. Yeah, um, it's a, yeah. It's, they definitely do a purposeful thing where they make her, yeah, look a certain way because she's a mob wife. And plus, I mean, either way, even if at the time she's like thirty six or something, yes, you could have a kid, but you're stuff. You're you're in more. You're in you're in a late stage. You know, yeah. you're 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 playing with uh, you're playing with you're acting like God over here, <laughs> playing with <Yes>. fire. <laughs> mm. And, uh, yeah, they actually get a bit passionate, and uh, we see some Jesus or angel figurines or whatever just pan over to those, fade to black. Yep. And that's episode nine, season two. We are uh, flying through this season. Only a few more episodes left uh, until we, you know, but still, in the grand scheme of things, we're only coming up on season three. A lot of Sopranos to go through. Uh, Jacob's becoming uh, more mature every week. Uh, mm-hmm. on his first watch through but make sure that if you have any comments on either this episode or even any upcoming episodes send them to shows which you know show at gmail.com make sure you subscribe on the podcast feed and please if you're ever so kind leave a review yes and write uh, write some words write write about you know get tom simon on the show write about what we should watch in between season two and three because we try to you know take some other influence from somewhere last time it was goodfellas and we've already had reason to bring it up like 10 times on the show uh there are some obvious ones like we're i'm sure we'll watch uh the godfather at some point but what else should we get into between seasons maybe we'll make a poll or something that you can vote at uh on twitter at shows what you know that's you the letter you where we also tweet when we go live which is usually on sundays uh for sopranos and then we also talk about westworld of course and uh, on our podcast Westworld Theories and The Handmaid's Tale on Gilead Gazette, which is actually, if you're watching live, going to come up in a few minutes as we're coming up on the end of all sorts of seasons across the board. Thank you for listening, everybody. I think there might just be one more thing, Jim. Oh, what's that? Cut to black.